So there's guys like Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, Matt Riddle that have yep. crossed the lines. Yep. Uh, so you would never do that. You'd never get into pro wrestling, you think? If I'm going to get a concussion and my neck messed up and slammed on the ground, it's because I'm going to have the opportunity to hurt you. Like, I'm not going to let you slam me for fun. If you're going to slam me, if you're going to knock me out, if you're going to hurt me, it's because you earned it. You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast, and here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, fave, subscribe, hit those notifications. If you are listening on your favorite audio platform of choice, please give us a five-star review and write out why you like the show. I mentioned uh, last week that I'm going to start reading those uh, those reviews. So if you want to, if you want to shout out. And you don't want to join the Patreon. That's a that's a a good way of doing it because, uh, I'm you know doesn't cost you anything, right? Just takes a uh, m- like a minute or two out of your day to give me a five star review and write out why you like the show. Those five star reviews actually helps boosts uh, the show and the algorithm. And for whatever reason, the the Apple iTunes algorithm is the only one that matters. So if you're not if you don't listen on uh you know Apple and you only listen on like Spotify or whatever, that's fine too. The The five-star reviews help there, but I'm only going to be reading the Apple reviews. Uh, so, you know, um, because that's the only one that, that matters as far as like algorithm goes. It's kind of weird. Um, so yeah, please do that. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, please drop a comment. Any comment will do. You can talk about my cowboy shit shirt. You can talk about my bald head. I don't care. Just whatever, leave a drop an emoji, whatever, man. All that kind of stuff boosts us in the algorithm on YouTube, gets us in front of more men. Um, I already mentioned the Patreon. Uh, so quick shout out to the Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash come on men pod. There's five tiers available. The lowest tier is only five bucks. Um, you know, that helps support the show. It's about the price of a cup of coffee at Starbucks or whatever. Um, it's the least you can do. Uh, like I said, there's five tiers available though. So the top three tiers, you can sign up, get, you know, texting advice from me. We can, you can do one-on-one calls with me, um, you know, for, for whatever, whatever you want to talk about, you know, if you want to get better with women, if you want, uh, some help with, I don't know, career, <laughs> whatever, if you want, just want to talk about books, you know, if you want to have like basically a one-on-one book club with me, that, whatever you want, like the, the, the three tiers aren't necessarily for, you know, coaching or, or whatever. It could be literally you just want to hang out um, and have some drinks and, and have a, have a, 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 a dude that you can talk to, you know, maybe you're in a relationship and you don't have any male friends around or whatever. And you just need a dude that you can talk to about dude stuff. Like Patreon's perfect for that. Um, yeah. And you get a shout out, you know, depending on what tier you get, you get, you get shout outs with that. So, um, you know, you can do the five-star review thing on iTunes or you can join the Patreon. Um, also one thing I want you guys to do is sign up for the email list. Um, I'm not spamming people. I'm really just doing this in case I get deplatformed on, you know, TikTok again, or, you know, Instagram or whatever. Um, and then when you sign up for that, you get a free sticker. This is, uh, one of them, the red pilled, and uh, another one that I like is the not a nice guy <laughs> sticker. You get those for free, postage paid, whatever. Just sign up for the email list. And then I will email you and say, hey, uh, you know, give me a good mailing address and I'll mail those out. And I am actually the one putting the stamps on the envelopes. It's, it's me. I don't have an assistant. I don't like a whole entourage of people back here. It's, that's, it's actually me. So Get on the email list. I'll send you some cool stickers. All right. Joining me this week is a really special guest. He's a former MMA fighter. He's had professional fights in the UFC, the PFL, Bellator. He was a welterweight champion. Um, He's John Fitch. You probably know him. He's a Rule Zero panelist. He's a really good dude. We talk about his time in uh, MMA. We talk about how... Uh, there's no such thing as a true world champion in MMA. Uh, they're all promotional champions, right? If it was a true world champion, the UFC's champions would be able to fight Bellator's champions, or they'd be able to fight P- 
PFL's champions, right? And then you'd be able to collect belts. You'd be able to be a true belt collector if uh, if you were really doing world titles, but it's not. Um, we talk about how basically the, the MMA is a lot like pro wrestling. Um, promotional titles, basically the owners pick and choose their winners. They They choose who they're going to put in that championship spot. It's not all about who's the best fighter. It's fascinating. We just, we, that, that whole thing like blew my mind. Uh, so that conversation is really interesting. We talk about, um, we talk about, you know, his professional career. We talk about pro wrestling a little bit. He's not really a fan of pro wrestling. So that's kind of a fun thing to talk about. We talk about, you know, grappling versus, you know, stand up martial arts. We talk about, uh, you know, my, you know, when I was in karate and the martial arts I've, I've trained in, um, man, just a real fun episode. John's actually a really good dude, really down to earth. I like him a lot. And I'm going to bring you that conversation right after these words. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, you. I'm going to make this real quick. I know you hate ads. If you like this show, if you love this podcast, if you think more men should tune in, then you should consider joining my Patreon. You will be supporting the show, and I get to help more men level up their lives. There's now five tiers available starting as low as $5 a month. It's like buying me a beer and each tier gives you better bonuses. Visit patreon.com slash come on man pod to sign up. That's patreon.com slash come on man pod. One last time. That's patreon.com slash come on man pod. Help me help more men level up and be better with women. All right, joining me this week is a very special guest. He's a former MMA fighter who has had professional fights in the UFC, the PFL, and Bellator, and was even once a welterweight champion. Now you can find him in the Manosphere as the resident... What's that? Four time. Four time? Fuck Wikipedia, man. (laughs) All right, we'll we'll talk about that here in a second. Okay. But he's... (laughs) Got me all fucked up here. So now you can find him in the manosphere as the resident fighting expert. It's John Fitch. What's going on, man? It's great to have you here. Nothing much. I'm I'm uh I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to be here. And um yeah, I'm in this space because I started following on the manosphere stuff uh because I was going through a divorce, whatever, and I found Ed Lattimore, I found all these guys. Uh, AG Cortez, and then that spiraled into more people. I even went to a 21 convention at one point. Uh, and then I found, you know, Ryan Stone and, and, uh, John, Modern Life Dating John and Rolo. And, um, you know, like one of the when main themes that I keep here, kept hearing over and over and over and over again about the manosphere stuff was you need to learn a martial art. You need to train some kind of combat skill. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, there's absolutely nobody in this space who's actually teaching those combat skills. So I was like, there's a, there's a void in what's necessary for these guys. So I'll step in and, and help out. Gotcha. Okay. So, Oh, so were you in that, the original uh, 21 convention, like, I got invited a while. This is like 2018, 19, maybe I got invited okay. to go to one of the shows and I got to meet, I got to meet some of these guys in person and it was, yeah. it was a good experience. And I really liked the idea of, you know, a, a men's space where men can come together and just talk like guys without having to like walk on eggshells because sensitive women were around. Right. Yeah. I I mean, like I know, I know all the dirt and I try to stay out of it. Uh, but I, but I, but I have had all you guys from rule zero on my show and I mm-hmm. really like the stuff that you guys put out. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the stuff that the 21 convention guys put out a lot of it is trash to now nowadays it's a lot of trash to sort of build up their following which yeah. uh you know it's kind of unfortunate that they feel like that they have to do that but i mean Most it's a good thing, idea yeah. it's a good idea though right to have sort of like a ted talks for men yeah if someone else well, could we, do we something used to like have that. we used to have male spaces you know yeah. we used to have the lodge or we used to have the the, the club or the 
the uh, the wrestling room or the fight room or the gym or whatever we had our spaces but now you have to include everybody so like they forced women into all those spaces they still have women's spaces where women can be completely away from men and not have men around and they can talk about whatever they want to and that's good that's good it's helpful they need it but like we're demonized for it we're not allowed to do that we're bad guys yeah yeah it's funny it, uh my dad used to say this all the time back in the eighties, there was always these like men's clubs and there was all the, all these like feminists that were suing the men's groups, trying to get access to these men's clubs. And then they got access and there. It was just like, okay, now what, you know, but you never saw, you never saw men trying to get access to like, you know, the knitting groups yep. and stuff. So it's, <laughs> it's well, kind I mean, of, yeah but then again you also have men just trying to be women now too yeah yeah that's uh that's a whole other that's a whole other subject a whole other show so so john uh so growing up i begged my parents to put me in karate because i love chuck norris and van damme yep. movies yeah, and uh they finally put me in a karate Blood school sport, bro Blood oh sport. dude saw that movie yeah i saw that movie and i was like that's what i want to do is that and how you fighting got wasn't into a it? thing fighting wasn't a thing you know like it wasn't yeah. a career path it's something i kind of stumbled into but like i always thought man, that's awesome i mean whatever rambo that was when he was like stick fighting whatever oh, you rambo know three and, yeah and <laughs> the guy had to come get him i was like oh that's awesome you can do that yeah. you can just go to some third world country and fight people for money and food mm. <laughs> i was like that sounds fun did you did you know that in Bloodsport, Bloodsport's based off based on a true story of Frank Dukes. A but fake did you, true story, yeah, yeah. Did you know that Frank Dukes is a total fraud, though? Oh, total fraud, hundred percent, made up. <laughs> Great storyteller. Great storyteller. Frank Dukes is. Yeah. Have you ever met him? Or I have not met him, but there's there's a lot of stories. You know, there were some early stories, especially when the internet was kind of new in yeah. the two thousands, and because that's when um because there's a lot of fake black belts and fake martial arts out there, tons of them. Yeah. Um, I think McDojo Life is a Instagram account that has a lot of followings, and they always show these guys these days. They're still around, which is crazy to me because I thought they were all eradicated in the 2000s because yeah. people started going to the gyms. People started going to these fake black belts and these fake martial artists and like challenging them. Mm. And that was one of the things was people started filming and confronting Frank, Frank Dukes on his bullshit. Yeah, got it. Okay. I bought a book back in like the 90s. And I, it was, it was a book on like ninjutsu or something like that. And it turned out that, uh, I, I think it was made by written or published by Paladin press or something like that. And the guy who wrote that book was a total fraud. you know, like, the, like there was a, I saw a YouTube so video exposing I, I, that guy. When I was a kid, I would go to the supermarket with my mom and when she would shop, I would go sit down in the magazine section. I would just sit down there. Cause there were some comic books there and there was the black belt magazine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah. Saw, so I would go and I would I would read everything in the back magazine and then I would go to the back and they had all the like the ninja supplies and things that you could order. Yeah. Nunchucks and vanishing powders and all kinds of stuff, man. <laughs> and there was always uh advertisements with like Jean LaBelle had some kind of like stick fighting whatever uh -huh. thing going on. And uh if you don't know anything about Jean LaBelle, look up Jean LaBelle. He passed away recently. Mm -hmm. He's he's a godfather of um man, American martial arts really. Like he's done a lot of stunt work. Uh, he actually is one of the first MMA televised fights. He went to Japan and it was judo versus uh, boxing or something. Mm. Beat the crap out of the guy. Yeah. Uh, there's a famous story about Gene LaBelle choking out. Um, uh, who's the, the Akita guy? Uh, oh, uh, the actor you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. There's a, there's a, there's a story about him choking out Steven Seagal and Steven Seagal shitting his pants. Didn't Gene, didn't Gene LaBelle, didn't he do pro wrestling too for a little bit? I think, yeah. He's, dude, he's like that guy. I, there, I, hopefully there's some books out there or something. Or somebody needs to write autobiography autobiography about him because he's got an amazing story. He was also a key turn coach. Like uh, Carl Parisian yeah. was a, a USC fighter back in the day. He was trained by Gene LaBelle. Like he's, he's had his fingers in a lot of martial arts stuff in the U.S. behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And he's in a lot of uh, movies. He's in a ton of movies as an extra. You can just see a glimpse of him, like in the back every once in a while, going through a window or something. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, so go back to my my story about karate. 
so I got into it because of those movies and stuff like that. Um, and you said you said it sounds like it, you basically had the same idea. Did you do martial arts young, or did you start with wrestling? Because like I, I said, I started we, with wrestling because we okay. didn't we didn't really have anything around. I was in Indiana. There wasn't there wasn't a karate school or martial arts school really around. And mm. I started wrestling at nine, so I was pretty young. Okay. Um, I was I was into pro wrestling. I was really into pro wrestling. Yeah, uh, junkyard dog. Andre the Giant, uh, Macho Man, The Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan. Like, that was my era. Yeah. And then um, I was in school and I had a cousin. My my dad's cousin had a son. I had kids and we were in the same age, right? Me and his uh, name was Brett. And he would come to school and his older brother was wrestling for the high school team. And he would come and tell me these stories about the wrestling matches. And the way he told the stories, it sounded like pro wrestling, uh-huh. You know, like, oh, well, this team did this and the coach did this. And then the fans were yelling. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, they they do this in high school? I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> so I talked my mom. I busted my mom's balls for like weeks. Yeah. Like, you got to let me go with Brett to the school. You got to let me go with Brett. So like, we would just jump on a bus. Like after school, I'd jump on a bus and ride over to another school. And that was the school I had a junior high. And the coach there let any kid who wanted to come to practice. <laughs> it was a junior high. Mm. I was in the fourth grade. <laughs> Oh, okay. Right? He, would, he would let anybody come wrestle. He had kids younger than me coming there and, and wrestling. And it wasn't technically allowed, but nobody really knew. It was like, don't ask, don't tell type of thing. Yeah. But he was building up, he was building up the young kids for a stronger high school team. So everybody was cool with it because, you know, everybody was behaved and in line and there was no trouble. So, you know, and this is the days, this is the days before cell phones or tracking people or whatever. Like you just disappeared into the ether. Yeah, you're supposed to be at this school. Uh, when it was time to get picked up, I would go to the I would go to the payphone and I would do the collect call thing and say, "Mom, pick me up." Yep. <laughs> and then she would come and pick me up, and that that was how we did it. But I went to my first practice and I realized I was like, "Oh wow!" I was like, "Pro wrestling's fake." Mm. <laughs> I was like it's completely fake. And I, I like was, the, I, I like the term scripted, but that's because I'm a pro wrestling fan. But yeah, but I was I was pissed. I was really oh, pissed. Okay. I was I was wounded. I was wounded by. Were it. you? And I had a bunch of those like rubber uh, WWF action figure dolls. You know the bendy ones. Yeah. I went home. I had like four of them, and they were like not cheap. Like, my mom was kind of pissed when I did it, but like I went home and I cut their dicks off. Uh, what <laughs> wow okay because <laughs> i was like you're not men you're liars you're fakers i cut them off i threw them in the back of my closet i was done with pro wrestling yeah it's over and i've been over it <laughs> since my mom kind of was worried because she's like what's wrong with my son yeah she found, she found a bunch of wrestlers in the back of my closet with their dicks cut off <laughs> that's why you know my son <laughs> um so like i i am a pro wrestling fan i i was into it back in the 80s too back in the, mm-hmm. the whole kogan days Go and then i got out of it in the in the 90s and going through high school stuff like that i just i thought it was kind of silly and you know but when i when i was in the navy uh during the attitude era it was like really big on my ship mm. and it was like an event every monday night and so in our birthing we i got back into it, it, it back I ended then up, i ended up tolerating it a little bit because when i was in college wrestling in college i had yeah. teammates who were really into it and monday night raw they're always watching monday night raw and goldberg and whatever and there was the video game that came out and mm-hmm. that was just what guys were doing i didn't like it but it's just like it was just on yeah so like, i kind of knew who the guys were and what was going on not necessarily by choice it just was like <laughs> that was just what was going on but uh but but the funny thing is so i I raised my kids watching it and mm-hmm. my son saw that they were, they were offering uh wrestling at his uh, middle school. Yeah. And he initially came up to me and he was like, dad, they're doing, they're doing wrestling at the school. Can I sign up for it? And I go, it's real though, buddy. Like this isn't like what's on TV. You know, I just want you to know that. And once he, he knew that he was like, Oh, Oh, I thought it was just like you. I thought it was mm-hmm. what's on TV. I'm like, no, it's yeah. this, this is real. You, you know, but he, yeah, he decided he didn't want to do that. <laughs> there, there was another, there was a wrestler back in the day in college, uh, Damian Hahn, who's really good. He wrestled in Minnesota. I think he was all American a couple of times, but he was like that too. I remember he had a story about how he was all hyped up to go in and do his first day of pro wrestling class or whatever. And yeah, it was not what he was expecting, but like he, you know, like me, he stuck with it, fell in love with it. Cause it's like the idea, cause the idea of what pro wrestling was before I found out what it was, mm-hmm. was it's like, 
two guys squaring off and like settling it like okay we're gonna see who's tougher yeah we're gonna see who's better we're gonna see who wants it more right that was very appealing to me because i was into football too and into team sports and no matter how hard i played or how good i was or how perfect i was in the game other people could still break down other people could still mess up and that bothered me because i was like man i'm doing everything right and this guy is too lazy to pick up his block he didn't want to pick up that block or for whatever reason so we lost the game Mm -hmm. that 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 you know it's very frustrating yeah 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 with wrestling it's like even if if you're if your whole team doesn't do well but you did well it it's a it's like yeah okay well i did my i did my thing yeah so yeah so that 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 makes a lot of sense so it sounds like so there's guys like Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, Matt Riddle that have yep. crossed the lines. Yep. Uh, so you would never do that. Just you never get, get into pro wrestling. You think if I'm going to, if I'm going to get a concussion and my neck messed up and slammed on the ground, it's, it's because I'm going to have the opportunity to hurt you. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you slam me for fun. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, if you're going to slam me, if you're going to knock me out, if you're going to hurt me, it's because you earned it. <laughs> okay i think that that's fair what did what did you think of cm punk's venture into mma man we could go in such a, a a rabbit hole of the exploitation that surrounds the sport of mma because mma is not a sport everybody is confused and they've been lied to by promoters for a long time the structure of sport you can't have the conflict of interest that exists within pro and in, in, uh, MMA. Okay. You have promoter controls, exclusive contracts and the title. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which means they control the ranking and they control ascension to the title. Mm. That, that's not, that's not a sport. Like you can't have the person who's financially vested in who wins or loses control who gets the rank and who gets the fight for the title. Yeah. Um, it's that- basically pro wrestling. They have a pro wrestling business model. Mm. Okay. And pro wrestling, um, again, it's scripted before they knew it was scripted. The U S government actually sued a, a, uh, a pro wrestling promotion. I think it was AWA or something like that. I can't remember 50s, 60s because Mm -hmm. they, they broke that. They broke that rule. They were, had, uh, exclusive contracts and they controlled the title. So the U S government said, Nope, that's a, um, uh, antitrust violation. Right, mm. into your your monopoly at that point, because there needs to be a free flow of competition in sport for it to be an actual sport. Mm. So that means if I beat somebody and I have a ranking, that ranking guarantees me competition against people of similar ranking. Yeah. Well, if the next guy ranked to me is in a different promotion in MMA, I can't compete against him. That that blocks the free flow of competition. It also blocks the free flow of competition from promoters. Right. So the UFC owns the highest title in the land because they bought up all the competition um, 10 years ago. Right. They bought all the top contracts. They bought the top titles. Mm-hmm. So they're the only top title. So other promoters can't compete with them. So you could you could have a guy who's number two guy in the world who could win and be the champion, but he's in a different promotion. So he can't even compete against the UFC's guy. Gotcha. It stops the free flow of competition. But and, but uh, but bo- boxing's different, right? Because bo- a, a boxing, boxer can have boxing, yeah, titles. and that's and that's why this happened. In boxing, uh, in the late 1800s, the U.S. government came in and stepped in and said, "Hey, like promoters, you can't control the title anymore." Okay. So the, the 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 government gave the title control over to the state athletic commissions. Oh, okay, and that ran for a while, but they realized that that became a monopoly also because other states couldn't compete with the more populated states mm. because the bigger states had more money. So anybody who wanted to put on a show had to do it in that state to fight for that that title. And it was New York at the time. So if you were a promoter in Tennessee, you couldn't compete for the top title because the top title was in New York. Mm. So all of the fighters would migrate and go to New York. There was no way for you to compete for that title. So what they did is they created a uh, sanctioning body license, a third party. So they had a third party controlling the titles that were not tied to any state. So every promoter could compete for that same title. Gotcha. Okay. Why, why do you think that MMA hasn't gone with that model? Is it just because of the money? Because the Fertitas and the UFC, they they knew the boxing game and how to monopolize it. And they paid the right politicians to allow it to happen. 
Interesting. I did not know yep. that. Yep. There was a moment where um, legalization was going to get voted for, where the uh, UFC was trying to get um, the athletic commissions to certify them as a actual sport and oversee them the way they see boxing. Mm-hmm. When that vote came up, um, when that came to a vote, the original owners of the UFC, SEC, they they were the guys who did all the work, made all the paperwork, did everything to get it to that point, to it being a sport. When it came to the vote, it got voted down and nobody could understand why. A few months later, one of the Fertitas quits the athletic commission, turns around and buys the UFC, the defunded mm. UFC with his brother. And they hired Dana White and then they started this monopolistic nonsense. Okay. Wow. Dirty pool. Dirty pool. Yeah. 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 Well, that's how people get rich, though. <laughs> yeah. The, the Fertitas, well, yeah. Well, the Fertitas brother, the Fertitas father was a, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, casino owner and runner who had got his money from some strange land dealings and stuff in Texas. And he was very good friends with Harry Reid, very good friends with Harry Reid, who mm. was senator of Nevada. Yeah. Harry Reid was good buddies with John McCain. Gotcha. Really good buddies with John McCain. Okay. Dirty yeah, pool. It, it really does pay who uh, to know people. It does pay to know people. It does. Really so. Does. Okay, so I I got it wrong clearly in the uh, the beginning. Uh, so so Wikipedia said just says that you had a welterweight championship from the PFL, but you're a four time yeah. champion. So I uh, I won the belt for PFL, then I uh, defended it against um, uh, Jake Shields, uh-huh. and then uh, I technically defended it the third time. Yeah, and. I say technically because the promoter, this is another like BS thing because of the structure of the sport. Okay. The promoter got bought. W the, the World Series of Fighting was the promoter name. Right. Okay. World Series of Fighting took on new investors and they changed the name to the PFL. Right. So I was still champ when they did that. And then my next fight was a five round fight. They called me the PFL champ, but I didn't have a belt. They didn't give me a belt. Mm. right because it was a new organization and their new organization structure was you had to win a tournament to be the champ okay so it was like it was like a placeholder fight it was the last show before they started the tournament system yeah okay so technically it was a defense um so that's three and then before i got into the ufc i won an eight-man tournament in mexico so i'm the mma welterweight world champion of mexico Oh, okay. And that was an eight-man tournament. I fought three men in one night. I finished oh. all of them. Oh, wow. How? What was that like? I mean, that must have been fucking grueling as hell. Crazy, dude. Crazy. You got lumps on your shin. Yeah. And like you're trying to ice things and like stay warm. And uh, it's tough because like, you know, every little bump and bruise just gets 10 times worse as you're cooling off in the back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, did they also have to fight other people too, or is it yeah, like yeah, yeah, okay. everybody was started off with sixteen guys and worked our way down. Okay, um, no, 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 eight man tournament. It was eight man. There was eight of us, and you know, we had to fight our way down to the final fight. Uh, luckily, though, it was a really cool. I liked this style. It was uh, they allowed us to wear wrestling shoes in the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, they allowed uh, knees to the head on the ground. They allowed soccer kicks, and mm. they allowed elbows. So that is more of a pure fight to me that's like that's real blood sport that's the real i i wish we could you know i wouldn't i would love to see a uh, organization pop up no gloves no no shoes knees to the head on the ground yeah uh soccer kicks elbows let's let's fight i'd like to see the the headbutts come back let's see what a real fight does let's see what really works in a fight doesn't people people want finishes people want brutality do that take away the restrictions doesn't doesn't Ken Shamrock have some kind of bare knuckle promotion that he's doing now? I don't know if he's doing a. There I, is a bare knuckles fighting championship right now. Okay. Uh, that I watch a lot. It's a lot of fun. They're fun. Okay. It's just different, man. It's just different. When you watch somebody get get hit and knocked out in yeah. a bare knuckle fight, it's different. You know, you'll see a guy get hit hard and yeah. wince and then back up and then he just takes a knee. Because it's just, it's like getting, because you're hitting with like those two little knuckles. Right. That's that's what you punch with. So when you get hit with that, it's like getting hit with a ball peen hammer in the face. Mm-hmm. It's a different, it's a different feeling. I, I learned that the hard way about which knuckles to break. Get boxers break. 
Yeah, because yeah, I broke my hand here yep. and here in 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 junior high. I punched yep. a kid. I had a, I had a roll of pennies in my hand. Punched this kid, but I hit him with the small knuckles, and I broke my hand in two places. Yep. And uh, I was in I was in uh, karate at the time, and my uh, my sensei is like, yeah, that's why you punch with these two knuckles, you idiot. You know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I also got. Uh, I also had to sit out of karate for like I think two weeks because of that, because he did. He he was very big on uh, fighting for self defense. Yeah. And I and I I basically just like cold cocked this kid just because he. So that's what I. That's what I focus a lot of my energy and attention on now. And I get in arguments with people because they're trying to like square up and box people in the street. I'm like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Um, we, I have a gentleman's disagreement with Christian Tate. He, he had me- mentioned that, you know, I had said, um, wrestling and jujitsu were the best for self-defense. That's not exactly right. I said, um, grappling is the best tool for self-defense mm-hmm. because if you're far enough away to throw punches at somebody, you're far enough away to create space and leave. Mm. Okay. Right? Why are you squaring up and fighting somebody? There's, there's literally no reason for you to like, okay, I'm going to trade and exchange punches with you yeah. because it only takes one punch to knock you out. And, and when you're not gloved up, like in boxing, the better boxer, the better technical boxer generally wins most of the time. Yeah. Right. I'd say 60 to 75% of the, the better boxer usually wins. It's less of a, a lucky knockout punch. In MMA with the small gloves or bare knuckle, that's not the same. It mm. gets closer to 50%. Whoever lands that first clean punch wins a lot of the time yeah you don't want that to happen in the street you get knocked out who knows what happens after you're knocked out on top of that in this day and age if you get in a street fight and you square up and hit somebody and you knock them out they could fall hit their head and die you're going to prison Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what happened before then yeah at some level you're going to be held responsible or you hit that person and, and you get sued you have a lot of legal issues to deal with yeah. When you're throwing punches and kicks at people, when you're knocking somebody out. So I say uh grappling's better. You force clinch. If you're backed into a wall, if you're backed up somewhere where you cannot flee, you can't flee, you can't escape anymore, you got to force clinch. Take control of the situation. If it is multiple attackers, then you do need to be mobile. And sometimes hitting them as they're coming at you, you need to do that, but you're not going to stand and square up and fight. It's I'm retreating. I'm retreating. Bump. I hit you once. I retreat. I retreat. I retreat. I hit you again. Retreat, retreat, retreat. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to get away. You're less likely to get in trouble in that situation too, because it's two on one, three on one, four on one. Yeah. that That's easily arguable. It's like, man, I was fearful for my life. I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in this day and age also, you're going to be recorded no matter where you're at. Everything's, everything's recorded. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, so I had I put my daughter in uh, Taekwondo mm. uh, when she was real when she was little. She was in elementary school, and I really liked uh, her sensei at that school. Uh, he 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 used to teach the kids, uh, you know, when you're putting your hands up, like your guards up. He's like, put your hands up like this. He, he called them peaceful hands, and you say, hey, I'm I don't sorry. want any, I don't want any yep. trouble. I don't want any trouble. But your hands are up in a in a guard. I called uh, I called it. You create a barrier. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people. Um, there's a famous door guy from England who came up with the term the fence. Okay. Uh, you need to create a fence. Sometimes you can use other obstacles or objects yeah. around you to create that fence or that barrier. Yeah. Um, if you're out in the street and you can walk the other side of a car, you can walk around a light post, you can walk yeah. around a garbage can, put something in between you and that attacker. But that, but that, his 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 off. thing specifically with the peaceful hands is that yeah. people are watching, people are filming. And if yeah. your hands are up like this, it you don't look like the aggressor. Yep. But if your hands are like this, this you look or like, like this, a hundred percent. That's what I teach them. Uh, yeah. It also depends on situational. Okay. You know, like, are you out on the street and a homeless guy walks up to you? You're like, hey, 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 what's up? You know, right. um, if you're at the bar, you're at the club, you're at a concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my clients I work with, you know, he goes to a lot of uh, sporting events. Yeah. Okay, so it's a little different if if you're getting, you know, physical or whatever. Like sometimes it has to be more subtle. Sometimes you just are like, excuse me, what, what, what? I don't understand what you're saying. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. You know, yeah. you're, 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 you're got your hands are up in front of you. I call this proper hand position. You need yeah. your hands are up and your elbows are in front of you. Yeah. Because you, You've created a barrier in between uh, your soft inner belly and, and your hard elbows. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, you want to keep people on the outside. So 
you need that. So I can be here. I can, I can do this. I can, you know, there's a lot of different things I can do with my hands up and disguise what I'm doing with my hands, but I'm in a ready position, mm. but I don't want to escalate because yeah. a lot of times people just want to be heard. They're having a bad day. They're emotional. They want to yell. If mm. you, if you get aggressive on them, you escalated. So I advise you want to, you want to be in a defensive position, be like, excuse me, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean any harm. I like your shirt. You know, you, you try to deescalate the situation. Yeah. They, uh, they make, they, they start yelling at you. A lot of times a green amplify works great. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry. Yeah, you're right. You know what? I'm stupid. I'm retarded. I don't know how to drive. I'm mm-hmm. dumb. Thank, thanks for telling me. Thanks for letting me know. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to stick my head in the toilet later, whatever. Like they're not used to that. People want to feed off your energy. If you take that energy away, it creates a vacuum and they deflate. They're not ready to cross that line. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, actually a, a really good thing to say. I think there's a lot of like macho guys in the, the red pill space. Uh, he, there's he, a, did, he, I got to defend my honor. Right. He said, he said something about my hair or my shirt, or he looked at my girl's butt or like, right. most of, yeah, so most you're going to fight, you're going to fight every person that looks at you or says something like <laughs> you're going to end up in jail. You're going to end up jumped. You're going to end up stabbed. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we live it. in a very litigious society. Yeah. Uh, if you don't go to jail, you're going to get sued. You know, yeah. it's just, it's not. And, uh, and in this day and age, you know, the, the legal system is protecting the criminal more than the victim. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Especially if you, you fuck them up, <laughs> you know, well, there was a this viral video recently of a guy pulling a hatchet out of his bag and hitting shit in the McDonald's. Mm. That guy, the guy was in New York. The guy got arrested. He was processed and released. Really? He was on the street again in less than an hour, probably maybe two. Why was that? Do you, do you know the backstory on that? That that's the, the video was there's some arguing uh he got in somebody's face and he hit somebody and then two guys started hitting him they're kind of puny guys didn't do any damage he walks over takes his bag off reaches in his bag everybody's standing around like dumbasses like oh i wonder what he's gonna get in his bag yeah <laughs> like nothing good run get out of there yeah like i thought he was gonna pull out a gun and shoot people but he pulled out a hatchet yeah let's go around and breaking windows hitting tables oh like, wow crazy it the, if you're not aware, the uh, the laws in Illinois are changing drastically for 2023, mm. right? Um, they're not going to hold people for bail. Like they'll process you and release you right away, and that's and that's an issue. Like second degree murder. Um, if you skip bail, like they can't process. They can't. They can't go after you for 48 hours. Like the the cop who was reading off the list, he was saying you could drive almost to Alaska in that time. Yeah. You could be arrested for second degree murder. They don't keep you overnight. Like they process you. They let you go. You're supposed to come back on your court date. You skip town. You leave. They'll is never be- see you again. Is it because like the jails are overpopulated or is it because uh, of the police state and defund the police type thing and police are brutal and some kind well, of liberal bullshit like we're that? We're going and put on my foil hat. Okay. But I believe that it's because they want to create so much con so much conflict and so much unrest that people are begging and cheering for the robot dogs with the guns and, and, uh, and military type policing, mm. like, you know, tanks, lockdowns, social credit score, everybody's phone is being tracked, curfews, all that stuff. Yeah. That if actually does can, make a lot of sense. Make, yeah. If they can make the environment bad enough for people, they don't feel safe at all. They will beg the government to do that yeah look at the people still wearing masks yeah take 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 my guns away so that i'm protected yeah yeah take all the legal gun owners guns away get the robot dogs on the street with with machine guns on their back Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then and then you're gonna have private security forces all over the place all the rich people will have private their own private security yeah oh of course of course rich 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 people they have different rules yep yeah (laughs) uh so uh so going back to your your fight record, uh, Wikipedia says you have eight losses. Yes. So I'm the kind of person that looks at winning and losing, like winning or learning. From your losses, was there one big learning experience you had, or that oh, you could you, you can go back to and go? I remember I, I I lost this fight and I will never do this again. Well, uh, there's two main ones. Okay. Uh, the Johnny Hendricks fight, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I lost, well, th- I say three. Okay. So um, the BJ Penn fight, I went vegan before that fight. I lost like 10 pounds of muscle. I was looking for an edge. I was looking for something. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to figure out what everybody else was doing that I wasn't. Turns out they were doing steroids. <laughs> I went vegan. I lost a lot of muscle mass. I started getting injured. I drew with BJ Penn. That, that's, that, threw my career off a lot because UFC didn't like me. They never liked me. The only thing that kept me at the top was that I won all the time. Mm. So when I got a draw, they used that to, to, to say, Oh, he's, he's done. He's done. And try to push me under the rug. Uh, I also got injured. So I was out. I had shoulder surgery that I didn't really need. And, um, you know, I rushed back sooner than I should have. And I, and the next fight was Hendrix. If you look at pictures of my body before that fight, I looked horrible because, mm. I hadn't lifted or done anything to put muscle back that I lost from being vegan. And I was coming off of nine months of surgery and rehab on my shoulder. I should not have fought that fight. Uh, First day of sparring, I sprained my MCL like bad, like second degree tear. Mm. And I couldn't wrestle the whole camp. I couldn't do much that camp. I could box. It was about it boxing cardio. Mm. So I should have pulled out of that fight, but I was stubborn. I was like, I just got to get back in there, beat this guy. And then I'm fight away from the title again. I should have, should have taken the time off. Right. So veganism, not taking the time off from being injured. I should have pulled out of the fight. It hurt my knee. Should have pulled out right away. Uh, Part of that was, you know, I needed money for my house and whatever stuff. Um, You know, not being too prideful to ask for help from people. I think that's another good lesson from that because I I probably could have got a loan from my manager, or even my parents to cover a uh, mortgage for a little while until I got healed up and then started another training camp. Yeah. Um, but then the next big one was Damian Maya fight the week of the fight, like a Wednesday, I got fucking really sick. <laughs> you know, I tried to make it, I believe like, Oh, I'm, I'm fine. I rested Wednesday and I, I, you know, took some medicine. I just slept all day and I woke up on Thursday uh, I started feeling okay. And then Thursday night's when I start my weight cut. So I started my weight cut Thursday night, felt okay, did my weight cut Wednesday, Friday morning, made weight, and then I started rehydrating and eating. And I just noticed that I was not like feeling good. Like I, I felt like I had a 500 pound gorilla sitting on my chest. Like I was <gasps> mm. wheezing everywhere. Um, and I was not in a really good place with the UFC. Like we had a very contentious relationship. So I'm I'm sitting there in the morning before that fight and I'm just like I can't do this. I can't I can't do this fight. I'm not physically fit to fight. And I was like but if they if I pull out today, if I call them and pull out today, they're going to ruin my career. They're going to they're going to bury me. They're never going to let me do whatever, you know? So I was like Do you, do you think it. that do you, do you think that was true though? In a sense, probably yeah. They would have they would have called me all kinds of horrible things. Okay. Yeah. Because they'd done it to other people. Okay. You know, they, did it to Ho- they did it to Jose Aldo because he broke his foot or ankle. And they're like, oh, he's lying and he's a pussy and he doesn't want to fight anymore. Uh-huh. What are they going to do to me? Right. You know? Okay. I-, I didn't get them into Brazil and make them billions of dollars like Jose Aldo did. Um, so, you know, I decided to fight sick. And the whole fight, I was just like, if I can just hit him once. Because there was a fight where... Uh, Maya got hit once. It was knocked out very quickly. I think it was Mark Hort fought him, but it was a one punch knockout. I was like, I can just do that. Mm. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of doing the whole fight. So I end up, you know, fighting and I don't end up landing anything. I'm just so slow and sluggish. And he's able to get to positions and get to my back in certain times. And I, I was able to fight off every submission and fight out of positions okay, but I, it was like slow mo. I was in slow motion. <sighs> <sighs> Mm. trying to do everything and it's just there's no go and you know it was like a day later they they called my management and and uh had released me from my contract gotcha okay so i was gonna get fired anyway so it's like they're gonna they're gonna screw you anyways you know take care of yourself promoters aren't your friends you yeah look out for yourself always be looking out for yourself you're number one you're all that matters so if you if you back out of a fight uh obviously you lose money because you don't, you, it's like, you don't get Yeah, paid. You put in, you put in two or three months of training time. You put in the money to train, but yeah. if you pull out of the fight, yeah, you don't get paid. You don't get paid. They don't get Sponsor, paid. Sponsorships aren't, aren't going to pay you. Yeah. You don't get paid for showing up. It's just, yeah. It's, it's fight just, is, uh, is like pro, pro fighting then uh very feast or famine type. 
living yes, or? And, they, and that's on purpose they do that on purpose yeah like they they specifically um space your fights out to starve you that way they can force you into shitty contracts mm. right because what they'll do is they'll they'll hold that bout agreement right you sign a promotional agreement for so many fights in a certain period of time and um they'll uh uh i'm sorry there you go with that um they're spacing your your yeah, fights they'll, out. They'll, yeah. You need your bout agreement, right? So you have a promotional agreement, and then you get the bout agreement for when they actually offer the fight to you. And that's the opponent and the date and the weight and all those things. So you have your promotional agreement, and then you're so you're stuck with them. You can't go anywhere else to make money. You have to make money with them. Mm-hmm. They'll wait until you they know you're broke before they offer you the fight. Okay. So they know you're starving and they're holding up this piece of meat and they're like, Hey, we got to fight for you. It could be the worst matchup, the worst date, the worst location, the worst everything. Yeah. Like you don't have a choice because it's like, okay, I can, I can turn this down and starve (laughs) and then they'll screw you. Like this uh, matchmaker back in the day, Joe Silver used to tell people like, you can turn down the first fight, but you're going to, I guarantee you're going to hate the second fight. Mm. He's talking about the fights he offers you. Okay. Because he's going to basically give you a shit sandwich. He's going to give you the shittiest possible fight he can. He'll put you on the undercard so nobody sees you, and he'll give you the toughest guy no one's ever heard of. Oh, okay. Right? So, yeah. like, if you lose to that guy, you're garbage, and your career is done with them. Yeah. If you beat the guy, no one cares. Right. <laughs> and then nobody nobody even sees it because it was on the undercard or something. Yeah. Okay. God, yeah, that is pretty shitty. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're 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 shitty, shitty people. Hundred <laughs> percent. So, well, let's change let's change gears here then. Um, <laughs> so, you, I mean, obviously, everybody in the manosphere says it's important for for uh, a man to know how to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm a pro Second Amendment guy. You know, yep. I often see pro gun guys saying they don't need to fight because they have a black belt, and 12 gauge or whatever. What do you say to guys like that? If you don't know how to access your gun quickly under duress. And you don't know how to keep it when in a grappling or situation where somebody grabs you like you're just giving somebody a gun, you're giving somebody a weapon. Mm-hmm. Same thing with knife. If you have not trained like religiously in accessing your weapon and using it effectively, it doesn't matter. Guns aren't magic. It's not like a magic potion you drink. Yeah. I've got my gun. I'm all safe now. Yeah. No one can touch me. Um, it's not a laser gun, right? Mm-hmm. You don't shoot them one time and they disappear. Right. People take time to blow out. I, I, I do these learn to fight videos I put up on YouTube and Rockfin and they break down like altercations. And one is guys trying to rob this like cash cash money station, something like that. The guy's sitting talking to a teller at the other end. There's a security guard with a gun at mm-hmm. the other end, right? <clears throat> I don't know where the guy jumps up and starts running over to the security guy to shoot him. Yeah. The guy, the guy was unbelievable. This guy was Superman security guard, pulled that gun, fired one time. Yeah. He got one shot off, hit the guy in the neck. Okay. That guy that got hit in the neck, fired like five or six times he hit the he hit the security guard like five or six times yeah before he bled out mm-hmm. okay guns aren't magic right if that guy could have had a knife that guy you know uh could just be strong who knows maybe you didn't hit him in a, something where he's going to bleed out fast yeah and now and now he's choking you or elbowing you in the face until you're dead while he's bleeding out yeah Gun, guns are not magic. And then weapon retention. You pull that gun out and somebody grabs a hold of it. Do you know how to keep it? Mm-hmm. There's something called the 20 foot rule. And that 20 foot rule is basically the idea that you could have your gun on you ready to fire. And it, you'll only get, you need at least 20 feet separation between you and that other target to pull your gun and fire one round before that person gets to you. Mm-hmm. If they decide to come running at you. So you can do this. You can get like a foam, like Nerf foam thingy with your buddy. You get like an airsoft or even even a, a Nerf gun. Mm-hmm. Okay, have your Nerf gun in your in your holster, your pocket, and then you say go, draw it, and see how many times you can shoot that guy before he hits you with that foam thing. Yeah, right. And the same thing, like it's not laser. It's not a laser gun. You don't. They don't disappear and dissipate. Right. right. Like you hit them once, it doesn't mean they're dead. Yeah. They've got a club or a machete. They can still get to you. And yeah. most people aren't going to be ready 
20 feet, that's, that's pretty far away. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I was in the Navy, we used to say that like deadly force was authorized within 20 feet because it, it also, if, if a guy's bigger than you and in, in at all, <laughs> mm. like that guy could beat you to death with his bare hands, uh, yep. de- like deadly force is authorized and mm-hmm. stuff in a situation like that. But, uh, it, yeah. And then, I mean, people, they don't, and they don't train it. Like if you don't yeah. train it, if you haven't trained a situation where somebody's coming to run at you or somebody's trying to grab you or jump you. Yeah. Like you're not going to be ready. If you don't know how to create and keep space and maintain space, if you can't frame with your arm while you're searching for your firearm to, 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 to shoot, like, how do you expect to do that? Yeah. It takes training. It takes a lot of training. Like, even if you go to a weekend course where you're putting in like an eight hour day or 16 hours in two days, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. It's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. On top of that too, like I know, uh, I know Marines that like they've been shot and they're like, they've been shot. Like they, they're still alive. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not like you one shot, one kill for yep. most, most of the time, especially in a duress situation. Like you said that, that and, security and, uh, guard gun, shot. guns, guns malfunction all the time too. Like yeah. how well do you take care of your gun? Like if you never had your gun misfire, if you never had a malfunction, mm-hmm. like, do you know how to clear a malfunction? What, what if you get that one shot off and you get a stovetop? You're like, that's when your, 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 uh, the, the casing gets stuck in the, in the, in the whatever where it's ejecting the, the case from. Mm-hmm. You get stuck in there. You can't shoot the gun again unless you, unless you clear it. Do yeah. you know how to do that? I'll carry a gun. I don't need to know whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what's happened to me too? Just out in the range, not, it's not like I'm getting in gunfights or anything, but yeah. uh, but uh, out out in the desert, close to my house, I go shooting all the time, and I bought some, uh, I bought some Russian uh, ammo for my um, one of my pistols, mm. and it got hot and expanded in the barrel, yeah, and like it didn't fire, um, but just just got jammed in the barrel, mm. and like I it went the slide wouldn't close all the way. Yep. And so it's like, I, I was like, fuck, I had to like disassemble that thing and like pop that, that bullet out later. hundred percent. But I mean, like that, that could happen in. Yes. And <laughs> and if you haven't trained, you wouldn't understand. Like we did a lot of stuff. It was, it was we were just using airsoft. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're like, oh, well, it's a toy. It was like, I mean, it's still a machine. It still has to function. Yeah. You know, you, it still misfires. Yeah. Well, in karate, karate school, we used to have a wooden pistols and stuff. Yeah. Know? But I but, mean, like the airsoft, you actually you actually have the mechanics of racking and shooting. And yeah. so you, you get, you get it kind of accustomed to that. You can use sim rounds, paint rounds too. I've, you, I've trained and we've used those before uh-huh. what they use in the shoot houses and stuff. Um, so it's like, I mean, man, if you're not, if you're not training that stuff, I'm sorry. It's like, it's no different than doing karate katas <laughs> and never hitting somebody and yeah. never sparring. If you're not even drilling, you're oh. just doing the katas in place. Yeah. 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 I, I gotta like, tell you about that. I what gotta do you tell think you that's that, gonna yeah. do? What do you think that's gonna do? Most of these guys who have guns, they go to the firing range yeah. and they bang, bang, bang. Yeah, they're standing there in perfect, perfect yep. situation. They're not they're, moving. Yeah, they have nothing coming at them. Like it's yeah, it's just not. It's not realistic. Sorry. Yeah. I go go to the kata thing though. I, I had my son in a local uh, Japanese style karate school here yeah. in, in my small town, and they only tra- uh, train katas. They'll train katas like every week. Uh, it, it, their class is like uh, basically a weekly class, and mm-hmm. every week he's it's there like a, for an a, hour just doing just doing katas. Yeah, and I'm sitting there going, he he had one. I mean, I mean, it teaches discipline. It teaches some physical fitness, which I'm okay with. Yeah, but if you're not sparring, if you're not using your techniques under duress, yeah, it's garbage. Yeah. And one one thing I learned, I was in uh, Kempo. I did Kempo for a while. Kempo is nice. Uh, Kyokushin and Kempo, where you're actually like sparring and hitting each other and kicking yeah. each other. Yeah. One thing. One thing. Uh, uh, one of the one of the instructors there said, and I th- and I always thought it was hilarious because I've you know I've done Taekwondo and Karate and stuff like that, and it's always the same. Like you, you have like your your front stance and your back stance and stuff like that. But when you're sparring, everyone's like, everyone's like on the balls of their feet. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't matter what style you do. It's always yeah. the same. Yeah. But um, I have, I have one question here and I'm hoping you could settle something for me. So Jack Napier, you know, Jack Napier, mm-hmm. yep. he and I go back and forth a lot about running for cardio. Are you, 
for or against running for cardio? Run for fun, not for not for cardio. Okay. Not for fitness. Uh, the longer you draw out the cardio session, the longer chance you have to get injured. Mm. If you're going to jog for an hour, like there's more likely that you're going to pull something, sprain something, twist something, uh, stress fracture in your foot and your shin. I, I, I don't recommend it unless it's something that you do for fun. If it's something that you do, like some people like to ride the bike for long distances. Some people like to run far for long distances. Yeah. I don't recommend it. Uh, when it comes to fitness, yeah, you can see lots of fat marathoners. Mm-hmm. There's lots of chubby marathoners. Look at the guys running the 100, 200, 300, 400 meter races in in, in uh, high school in the Olympics. What do their body types look like? Yeah. They're lean. That's because sprint cardio burns fat at a higher pace. It raises your metabolism, keeps your metabolism high for up to 24 to 48 hours after you've done the workout. And fighting in particular is a series of short sprints. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not a marathon. Gotcha. You need to do HIIT training. HIIT training for fighting, HIIT training for fat loss. Okay. Jack's laughing right now. I'm sure if he, because <laughs> I, I, like, I do like, I, I do like run, jogging running. and running. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, walking, walk yeah. your dog, you know, 20 minutes of walking a day. Everybody in this country, yeah. 70% of the people are overweight, right? Mm-hmm. Every one of them could, could go for 20 minute walk a day. Sure. Okay. If you're lifting and doing other hard cardio sporadically in those, those days, like still hit your 20, 20 minutes of walking. I have a dog. It helps me get my 20 minutes a day of walking. Yeah. Yeah. Dogs are great for that. Yep. My, my dog's getting a little bit older. She used, I used to take her for a, a two mile walk every day. And that was just a little bit of extra, you know, just See, to I help. Have, my lose, dog is huge. So <laughs> if I don't walk him, he shits in the house and that's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I do walk him, his shits are so big. Yeah. I end up doing a, a farmer's carry on the way home because the bag of shits so heavy. <laughs> So, so you get a real workout. Yeah. So I'm like working my core out, like working grip strength. So I got to hold it out. It smells. That's it. Yeah. He's 125, 130 pounds. He's monster. What kind of dog is he? Pressa Canario. It's a canary Mastiff. Oh, oh, Mastiff. Okay. Yeah. yeah those are big ass dogs. They look like the can of Corsos, but he's more athletic. Way okay. more athletic. Okay. Um. So one last question here and then we can wrap up. So. I checked out your gum road courses mainly because uh, mainly because I'm, I'm trying to find uh, I spent a weekend with uh, Aaron Clary uh, like a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. And he and I were talking about online courses and stuff. And I was like, I'm just looking at platforms right now. Yep. And so I was like, Oh, you know what? John's got some gum, gum road courses, but um, so I was looking at your gum road courses. You have lots available. What, what, which ones are your most popular? Well, because the uh, the fitness is the easiest thing to get people to do, mm-hmm. the fitness ones. Um, actually, the like the neck care guide was actually a really popular one too. Neck care. I have, I have a neck care guy, ninety day neck care guy. I call it Fitch Yo Neck. Um, okay. Because I had I had to almost retire because I had uh, stenosis in my neck. The soft tissues broken down, and the and the uh, the um, the vertebrae are starting to pinch the nerve. Yeah. So I get tingly numbingness in the hands and all kinds of issues. So I went through this 90 day program uh, to help fix my neck. It allowed me to fight three more times uh, when I was told I needed to retire and I needed surgery. I still haven't had surgery. Um, still doing okay. Still keeping up with some of the stuff from the program, but mm-hmm. like that program really helped. So I ended up just doing the program and putting it together so everybody could see it. Cause there's, it, I, I got my problem from getting hit in the head a bunch of times, like yeah. a chronic whiplash. That was why I have my neck problems. Like even shooting double legs and hitting the double leg and your neck getting snapped back or your head getting shoved down into your chin, into your chest. That's all stuff that's very common with the career path I've chosen. Yeah. But your average person is on this computer screen or on their phone like this all day long. Right. You know, you know kind of like a neck. So like they have the same type of issues and pain. So that's a good program for anybody with that. So that's actually a very, very popular program, but you know, the, uh, the fitness stuff tends to translate better online, especially with online consultations. Mm -hmm. It's hard to 
walk somebody through technique. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How, how does that work? Like if someone wanted to hire you to learn to fight online, uh, do you, I mean, you get, you give them some videos, maybe like this is how you do that. Do you ask them to film their stuff and send it to you so you can say, change this, tweak this stance? Like, uh, well, best, best thing to do would be to, um, man, would be to book a consult so I could go through and answer questions like that. And, um, you know, I have some, like, I like to fill my seminars and then I put the seminars up for people to, to, to buy and watch, uh, but the best thing to do is to, you know, private lessons, one-on-one, face-to-face. Group lessons actually are the best because it's small. Uh, having extra people there brings the cost down. And mm-hmm. then you have a partner that you can work with and work with after the fact. And you can yeah. help each other. Like, how did that thing go? Oh, yeah, I remember. This is how it went. Um, and then I do seminars. I travel for seminars. Okay. I'm still, I'm still trying to kind of work the kinks out on actual technique through yeah. the screen. It's yeah. not, it's not an easy problem to solve. Yeah. Cause I was wondering about that. Like you can learn some basic stuff, I think online, but you yeah. really need some practice in person. Like you and said, you, sparring, you have to right? have a buddy because even yeah. me telling you, I could tell you how to do it. I mean, okay, that's right. That's good. You have to do this with whatever. If yeah. you don't have a partner, if you don't have a buddy to, to do the stuff with, like you can't, you can't do katas with, right. <laughs> with you know, with the techniques we have, you need a partner. You have to have somebody. Yeah. I gotcha. It's a good place to start though, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh supplemental because a lot of people are going to have their local gym they go to. Yeah. And then you can get supplemental techniques. I think that's what's what's best. You can learn the technique and you can go through with some somebody who's your friend and learn those things and try them out. Smart. Very smart. Where uh where can people find your Gumroad courses? Um, you know, if you're following me on uh, you know, Twitter is johnfitch.net. Instagram is John Fitch, uh, smash, uh, johnfitch.net is my website. If you go to any of those things, you can, you can find the links that will take you to the Gumroad course and, and all my other stuff. I got you know t-shirts for sale also. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Usually I, I wrap up asking people where people could find you online. So we, we answered that question. So John, thank you for taking the time to, uh, sit with me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah. Anytime, man. John, thanks again for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. You're welcome back anytime. Fascinating conversation. I really like the the our our discussion about um, you know, self-defense and like, you know, the peaceful hands and like, you know, you're talking about keeping your hands up, right, in a ready state. That that kind of stuff is like super helpful. I think a lot of a lot of people that don't know how to fight, that have never had any kind of, you know, formal fight training, like they that kind of information is just super valuable. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really glad that you were able to to come on the show. Um, at the time of this recording, um, I don't know if this is going to, I don't know if this is going to happen. Um, this is something that, uh, it's been on my goal board for a while though. Right. Like I've had, um, I've, I've talked to pretty much, I've talked to everybody on the rule zero panel, except for Troy Francis and um, John MLD, who just at the time of this recording, just uh, said that he's no longer doing Rule Zero, but I've had on my on my goal board here to uh, be a, at least a guest on Rule Zero. And uh, at the time of this recording, maybe about a week, maybe two weeks ago, uh, Rolo tweeted out. Uh, he replied to one of my tweets. I was joking around with him because I, I sent a super chat to uh i sent a super chat to one of rollo's things and one of his live streams and i you know he he read it out loud he was like hey come on man Uh, i can't remember your name for whatever reason i was just like ah oh rollo can't remember my name so i put that on twitter you know just a picture of like a knife with a heart in it saying when rollo doesn't remember your name during a live stream well rollo replied to that and said hey i'm actually going to invite you to come on rule zero. So I'll learn your name then. Uh, so that was really, really a cool tweet because I've had it on my goal board for so long. It's like, you know, the raindrops thing that I talk about in the law of attraction episodes. So, uh, I'm not, I haven't gotten any word on that yet, but, um, I look forward to talking to, um, all these guys from rule zero that have been on my podcast. I look forward to talking with them on rule zero, uh, whenever that, whenever that happens. (laughs) 
And at the very least, if it does, if it never comes to fruition, at least Rolo, at least put it in a tweet that he was going to invite me on. I mean, that, that feels good. <laughs> That's a, it's almost like, I, I feel like I've, I've, I've made it in this manosphere space when, when I get stuff like that. All right. I'm going to stop uh, nerding out. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Patreon again, real quick. Patreon.com slash come on man pod. There's five tiers available. The lowest tier is only five bucks. If you want to help out the show, if you want to help support it, you want to get me in front of more men, that's the best way you could do it. It's like the the price of a cup of coffee every month. Um, so five bucks, it's the least you can do. Um, so patreon.com slash come on man pod for that. There's, you know, like I said, there's there's premium tiers that if you know, if you want, you know, help with uh dating apps, you want to, you know, improve your texting game or whatever. You can sign up for one of those top three tiers and I will be available to help you with that kind of stuff. Um, also get on the email list, list.commonmanpod.com, get some free stickers. Um, that's just uh, so in case I ever get banned again from another social media account like I did last year with TikTok, um, I can get a hold of you and say, hey, this is where you can follow me now. Um but yeah, that costs you nothing. There's there's no postage with that. I, I cover all those expenses. I just want you to get on the email list. All right, guys, that's all I have this week. Um, I think this is the Thanksgiving episode. So uh, if that's true, have a happy Thanksgiving. And we'll see you next week on Monday. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.